Greetings, salutations, and welcome to episode 66 of the Bloke Pod. Yeah. Clickety click, 66. One away. Route 66. Route 66, yeah. Yeah, one, one, one six away from it being probably our last episode, you could say. Oh, <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> will we ever get to 666, yeah. though? Oh, God. Yes. No, um, I, I will be dead by then, whether yeah. or not you will be. Uh, it might just be William on his own at that stage. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes for a very interesting episode. Yeah, probably yeah. more so than the usual drivel that you and yeah. I come up with. Mm. So that's when our viewer figures will really start to yeah. spike. Episode 666, who let the dogs out? <laughs> anyway. There's a fire of London reference to make there, but I'm, I'm not going to bother. Yeah. I'm just going to launch straight in, Jeej. Yeah. I'm not a happy camper at the moment. Oh, well, yeah, so situation normal, you say. I'll probably yeah. have to be a bit more specific. Snafu. But I thought that indescribably cuntish cunt who penned the City Subaru jingle, or jangle, I think we'll call it, I thought he had been banned from ever making another commercial ever again. On my way to City Subaru. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The scary thing is that's probably better than the version on the ad. Yeah. But no, it seems he's picked up a, another job for Ovi. Oh. Whatever the fuck Ovi is. Yeah, this I, is just I, one I, of the most horrendous I'm going to let you go off on a rant, but I'm just going to say one thing before you do. Have at it. Did they deliberately pick the three people on the face of the earth that can't sing? Well, there's probably more than three, but, but they, they really are. It's not so much scraping the bottom of the barrel as what's stuck to the underside of the barrel, I think, here. Yeah. But, but that's the annoying thing, though, it's is not... that all three of them actually really are hot. There's yeah. plenty of Katy Perry material there. Watching it on mute would be a great experience. Oh. And there's no way that second chick would have to go through 77 pairs of jeans before yeah. finding one that makes her butt look great. Yeah. However... They all deserve a big giant foot up their collective butts for propagating this sort of horse shit. I mean, it's appropriate that we're doing an iPod for Hell later on today because this is the, the television commercial equivalent of the iPod for Hell. Just awful. And then the guy at the end who sort of starts saying, spouting some rubbish sentence and then like half-heartedly starts, you know, half singing it for the last sentence. It, it's like, what the fuck? Either say it or sing it. Don't say the first sentence and then, for the thirsty work we love to do, right at the end. What the hell is that? Seriously. That's actually a chick, by the way, too. Really? No, the guy, the guy at the very end. Yeah, no, no. The, 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 something. something. The, yeah, no, the, the thirsty work we do is one of the chicks. Really? I mean, look, it's the, the singing is so appallingly bad oh. that it's... I don't so like, like the very I last sentence yeah. of the ad is one of the yeah. chicks coming yeah. back. Yeah. I, I don't I actually don't blame you for not recognizing it, but that's that's the same just, as the guy who says it. the previous sentence. Yeah. Though, which makes just, it even worse. Then yeah, it's really unforgivable. Yeah, oh, I I, yeah. I just want to say on on behalf of men, uh, I'd like to congratulate <laughs> Ovi for putting the women's movement back about twenty years. Yeah, we salute you as a gender. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think we should start calling it Andy, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, but Perhaps because that ad could be better if they were all in their undies as mm, well. Mm. But that's from saying that the talent and is there visually, yeah. but audially or yeah. whatever the hell the word Orally. is. I, yeah, see, I can't even form sentences anymore. This is what you've done to me, Obi. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. thirsty work you have to do. Whoever came up with that ad needs to be hung upside down in a toilet filled with that yeah. particular beverage. Mm. Just terrible. Yes. 
Okay, you, so you've talked about the Ovi train wreck. I, I'm keen to talk about the train wreck that is the Western Bulldogs football club. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, now uh, sponsored by Ovi. Yeah. For the thirsty work the Bulldogs yeah. love to do. Because being a Western Bulldogs fan this season is certainly going to be thirsty work. You'll need a lot of alcohol. I'm just going to say, a yeah, lot I of alcohol. Ovi must be coming out with a new yeah. bourbon flavour very, like, very soon. 82% alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> the Brendan McCartney range. Yeah. So, uh, or the Brendan Favola range, maybe. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a merger. Yeah. <laughs> so so he pisses in it and then take a... a I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, for a club that's bordering on irrelevance as it is, to, let's be honest, the, their off-season, just yeah. completely and utterly bewildering. Yeah, um, absolutely. Captain and the coach have a falling out, so instead of sticking... We're going to stick by the coach and trade the captain out, and then... One day later, we're going to sack the coach, right? Or the coach is going to decide to resign. Resign in inverted commas. And then that strategy obviously works so well because Ryan Griffin will still be at the club this season. Oh, Oh, no, no, wait, hang on. No, no, it didn't work. So you lost your captain and your coach. Yeah. And also the captain is your best player too. And then you also lost probably your next most complete midfielder in Adam Cooney as well. But well, I mean, I mean the, Jack uh, McRae is probably already ahead of him. Yeah. But anyway, but all, yeah. of the, all of these things in in context, the most baffling thing for me was the Tom Boyd yes. decision. Yes. Um, From the people who developed the uh, Tom Scully um, GWS uh, pay deal comes Tom Boyd. Yeah. I'm just shy of a million dollars per game he's played in his career. Say, shout out to Liam Pickering because. To get you Tom magnificent Boyd, yeah. bastard. <laughs> to get that m- amount of money for Tom Boyd, Jeez. a guy who's played a whopping eight games, good work. I but mean, if, I if mean, they had recruited Abbott, they would have had to, you know, bankrupt the entire country. <laughs> but I mean, the, the thing that kind of gets me is like, why wouldn't you just stick fat with McCartney, take pick four and pick seven that GWS were offering yeah. you for Griffin? Given that you have a really good quality midfield already with McRae, Bontempelli, uh, Liberatore. Got, Liberatore, you've got Stringer coming through. Hmm. You've lost Sean Higgins. That's another yeah, positive oh, that's for a you. Definite positive, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, take three picks, look to build a really solid nucleus of players together and move forward that way, recognising that you're probably not going to be competitive now, but two years. You get three hits in the draft in the top seven. Two yeah. of them are going to stick. I was just going to say, if you go back over the last decade or so and have a look at picks four and seven and the, yeah. like the calibres of players that those picks would have garnered, I mean, we're talking absolutely top draw, genuine... Uh, I'll, I'll use a Darcyism, a genuine superstar of the game, or, or two even. Uh, yeah. So to say that Griffin, who despite being their best player and their captain, is... Let's face it, he's, as Warney once said, I'm closer to the end than the bloody start. Yeah. To have the opportunity to say, all right, we're going to bring in, yeah, as you say, alongside our really promising young developing team, mm. we're going to now supplement that with two of the best seven players running around in this year's draft. With our own pick as well, making yeah. it three. Um, and that's the thing. Like, and also freeing up several million dollars in salary cap space that won't be getting absolutely wasted on some hack from GWS. Well, the, and the kicker, of course, being that um, Western Bulldogs are paying part of Ryan Griffin's salary too. 
It's like, geez, if, you, if you ever want to be completely reamed at the train table, the congratulations, Western Bulldogs. What are you doing over there? It's, you've given away your captain and a top six pick. Two top, two top seven picks. <laughs> Well, as a well, potential, cost, yeah. yeah, theoretically, but you've given away. Let's let's be realistic here. You gave away the captain and a, and a top and your sixth pick in the draft for a speculative nineteen-year-old, who may or may not work out. It's still hard to decide. Who, let's face it, if he was worth anything at all, he yeah. would have been able to show us something in that GWS side. I mean, it's not like he's exactly competing for um, playing time or anything like that overall. Yeah, if if. I maintain if you're a half decent player in that GWS lineup at the moment, people will know about you. So you, mm. you think of a few of the guys they got running around for them, you can name straight away. Like, you, well, you can't. Shield, Trelaw. Um, uh, um, Moore is even a, a good full back. You've yep. got um, Jeremy Cameron, who's arguably one of the best forwards in the game already. You've got um, Devin the Smith. Other, yeah. You've got. Yeah. Who's, who's the guy who um, got arrested and then. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Toby Green. Yeah, Toby Green. He's the one. Yeah. 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 I mean, look. Um, like you've got yeah, all but, those guys there who are actually showing signs that they might be worth that sort of long-term yeah. salary. I mean, and the then thing is, you go for this guy. Yeah, I, I just think about it in terms of a stock thing, though, is just that they're, they're, they're basically hedging their entire fund on, on one guy, when with three picks they probably could have hedged mm. on three guys. And, I mean, it's not like the Bulldogs only need one key forward to... To get there, they need like two or three. They need two or three key position players, and with picks four, six, and seven, the way that the, it looks like the draft's going to shake out, they would have got the best, probably three of three of the best four key position players in this draft. I guess my point is though, if you are going to hedge your bets on one player, then why him? That's what I'm saying. Like, if you could have got Jeremy Cameron for that, you'd be absolutely yep. laughing. Or one of those other guys we we just rattled off. Any of those guys. I could at least you could at least make the argument why mm. you're doing it. But this guy has shown nothing to warrant this absolutely ridiculous um, salary. Well, I mean, this it, it, to put it the other way is as look as there's one year of unexposed form. I mean, look, he was the number one pick in the draft, so you have to take that into it, account. But if you went back to the Bulldogs last year and said, would you give up Ryan Griffin and your first round pick for this guy for the number one pick in the draft so you can pick this guy? Guarantee no. you, they would have said no way. Yeah. So what's changed 12 months down the track? I, I don't understand that. So, but, yeah, I, I've just... Unless it's part of some superstitious policy to replace one Boyd with another. That's pretty much no. all I've got at the moment. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, we had the joke that Matthew Boyd wears five, five and Tom, Tom Boyd's going to wear five with a, with a yeah. vertical line through it. Uh, it's... And, and, a, and a sack drawn around it as yeah. well, probably. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> 510 but, yeah, it's all I mean, superimposed yeah. on top of each other it's a good point though isn't it it really is the Tom Scully trade mm. of 2014 as far as yeah. I'm concerned and well I mean look at least the GWS they only gave up the money the Bulldogs <laughs> have given up the money the captain their dignity and a, t- yeah. and a top six pick yeah uh, so I mean yeah look in the situation well I'll, in that exact same situation you've just got to be smart and you've just got to <laughs> You're sitting From there the going. From the people who you, don't be a dick. Comes. Yeah. You just gotta be smart. <laughs> don't. Don't sack. Don't be if, stupid. If you've decided that McCartney's gonna go, why the yeah. hell are you putting Griffin off site? Get rid of McCartney. If but if you've decided yeah. that McCartney's the guy, don't flip flop on yeah, that. Yeah, they had for something like that. 
they had to make a decisive call yep. and stick with it right from day dot. Yep. There is absolutely no scope for them to make a decision and then half-heartedly go back on it you yep. know, a few days or weeks later if they get cold feet. For something like that, it has to be clear and direct. I mean, we mm. talk about St Kilda sacking Scott Waters um, last yeah. year and whether or not that was the right thing to do. But at the very least, it was a decisive course of action. Yeah. They've gone with that now. And, you know, I hear their St Kilda are going off to Canberra this week to train with the um, Australian Defence Force or something in some sort of secret uh, pre-season mission type thing. But I mean, but at the very, you might disagree or disagree with that decision, but at the very least, they've made the decision, they're clear about what they're doing, and there's no ambiguity about it. And I mean, look, the other thing about St Kilda is, is that they've, you know, the, as I always say about sport, the biggest mistake you can make is not knowing where you're at. They know that they're at the bottom, and mm. they've made some very smart decisions with some of their mid-range players, offloading them for low low seconds yeah. or not or for Tom Boyd, <laughs> yeah, low second or high first-round picks, so that they're 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 fully mm. committing to this youth strategy. Going well, look, we're just going to play the numbers game here. Yeah, we have eight picks that are relatively low. Five or six of them are bound to work out. Mm. These guys who are in that range, they're not going to help us win a premiership anyway. Yep. So why why keep it there? Let's just invest 100% in the youth side of things. I mean, you still need the, some senior bods around there to help the way. Otherwise, well, but, you're in a GWS yeah, Gold Coast scenario. Blokes like Revolt and even um, yeah. Jack Stephen and Montagna you know, yeah. fill that bill nicely for them. Yeah, well, so that's they've, right. they've got... You know, as you say, they're not going to win a premiership in the next five years, but I can at least see some semblance of a, you know, coherent strategy well, there. Yeah, what the you, doggies now are yeah, just... What, oh. you, what you want when you're in a premiership build is you want your core to be in that 50 to 80 range mm. because they've got through the teething, I guess, the teething situation of developing and understanding what they can do in the game. Mm. They're at, the, you know, they're, at, they're reaching their physical peak. They might not quite be there yet. Yeah. But they yeah, they're on and the And they've also played enough games together as a group to have that sort of understanding that's exactly and that right. rapport. Yeah. So they're they're all ascending together and that's mm. that's generally how you get there. And that's what we see you know, that's the what we've seen with with Gold Coast. Yeah. And what we'll start to see now, I think, with GWS mm. is that and yeah, that whole experience of playing with each other. And the sad thing is the doggies, as you say, had the potential to do just that. Yeah. You know, they've probably got a better group of players to to achieve that than yeah. St Kilda. When I mean, you look well, at their, like, McRae, Bontempelli and um, Liberatore, those yeah. three guys, there's a, there's a lot of... They're, well, they're, they are three classy midfielders. And you've got Jake Stringer, who looks like he's going to be that, that mid-forward yeah. type player as well, who's, you know, he'd had a lot of problems with his, with his leg early yeah. on there, but... Who's, who really started to come on late in the year this mm. year. So And again, you've lost Sean Higgins. I can't emphasise enough what a positive that was. <laughs> yeah, you got a second round pick for him yeah. as well, which is a, yeah. Yeah, it's like this a win-win. celebration, bitches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it just baffled me. It's that, mm. you know, would I rather have kept McCarthy... Lost, McCartney. McCartney, even. yeah, mate, yeah, him too. <laughs> um, kept McCartney, lost Griffin, got four, six, seven, Or... Lost McCartney, lost Griffin, lost pick six, got Tom Boyd, and got an untried coach. And lost X million dollars in... Mm. Like, how much is he actually on? Is it A? I think it's... It's it's Buddy-esque, but it's not as long. I think it's seven over six or six over seven or something like that. I hate in my mind, but yeah. Yeah. Either way, seven or eight. 
a hell of a lot more than he deserves to be paid on merit. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, yeah it, uh, it's look, bizarre, it's, really. It's the type of... This, it, it, the problem is, is this is the type of off-season that makes or breaks a football club. If Tom Boyd, Western if Bulldogs Tom Boyd, are certainly not making no. them. Well, I'm just saying, Tom Boyd, you know, I mean, you don't wish ill, you hope the best for the kid. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't make it, that club, that club, that that could, that club could well fold. And think of it from his perspective as well. How would you like to rock up to a new club, having just played in a different state for one of the expansion clubs, coming back to one of the core Victorian clubs mm. on that sort of ridiculous salary, knowing that a lot of the other blokes in the change room alongside you mm. are not getting paid anywhere near that much? Mm. It's actually, it, it's kind of a, you know, a pretty tough ask on him as well. I mean, mm. I'm sure he'll bank the paycheck and be happy about it, but... but that's, yeah, that's the thing. In, a, that... in many ways, I'd rather be getting paid $100,000 and just be able to fly under the radar and, and develop. You know, I mean, you the Tom Scully reference is very valid. I yeah. mean, look at what it's done for him. For him. Um, <laughs> he, he's a train wreck of a human being right now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, look, baffling. Yeah. To, to put it bluntly, I, I don't know what's going on at that club and that they had a... They had a chance to really make a strong statement and make mm. a good step forward with four, six, seven. I uh, yeah, I just think they've gone backwards. I'm just quite lucky that the mm. Eagles have got them first round next year. Boom! Yeah, one and zero. Oh. We'll yeah. be top of the ladder after round one for the <laughs> second year in a row. <laughs> yes. Come on. We're re-recording this so I can put in a smart archery that I prepared earlier. The doggies got fucked doggy style in this preseason. How was that, Jeez? Yeah. Was that good? I liked it. It was, it was off the cuff, wasn't it? Spontaneous. I think Very might, unrehearsed. I think we might have to get the uh, the second opinion of another dog. What do you reckon, William? Nah. Talk. Talk now, William. Nah. Dah. Not interested. How much money did we spend on behaviour training for him? Come on. Fuck. Fuck, damn you. Dah. Uh... I'm noticing something that's actually alarming me a little bit. There's What's that, Cheech? Oh, well. <laughs> Where do I start? The, the, there's one in particular. Is, is that I'm seeing this phrase, social commentator, being bandied around a lot these days. Is First, it, is, isn't that my official title here at the Blowing mm, Pod? No. Let me check my no, business card. No, I was... <laughs> definitely not, because... You I've wouldn't been try- stand for it. First of all, I've been trying to work out how, you know, what qualifications the social commentator has. Well... I can answer that very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. But I've actually I've actually noticed a trend where that that phrase is being used. I I've and I've narrowed it down to to two criteria that it seems to be that you have Here to have. Go. You seem to have to be female and you seem to have to have an agenda of some form. But we can't be that also, transparent. It helps, it helps if you're easy on the eye, too. Well, not always. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't hurt. It doesn't yeah. hurt. Uh, yeah, it doesn't always hurt. Mm. But I've noticed that, yeah, you can't... Obviously, feminazi with an agenda is too long to put on the well, on the screen when it comes up. I was just going to throw bitches out there. Yeah, but... but um, <laughs> so they, they've just seemed to tag this social commentator on there. So, Dad, as a social... We could say... So just, well, I, just, I'd like to commentate on society yeah it's <laughs> fucked yeah this disturbing trend of social commentators <laughs> yeah 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 my commentary on that my is so- that society is the poor for it yeah <laughs> there you go 
But I mean, I don't know. It's, it's something that's really started to pop up in the last 12 months or so. It seems like these days anyone out there with an agenda or an axe to grind or a particular, particularly strong point of view that they want to get across, yeah. they are able to achieve some form of success because the now that we've shifted to an online news, uh, news um, mm. juggernaut, it's all based on click rates. Yep. So rather than having... Australia win first test, Harris takes five wickets, Clark scores century. They'd rather have Simon Cadditch, uh, you know, holds Michael Clark in stranglehold in change rooms after victory. And I think a lot of the, what a lot of these social commentators do very well is come out with the outrageous, the ridiculous, mm. the completely lacking in logic. And because it's such a, yeah, a far out, let's face it, ridiculous point of view... As soon as you see that little headline at the bottom of your um, of your yeah. nine MSN or whatever it is website, you're more likely to click yeah. on it. So that that I actually yeah think all of this boils back down to all right. Let's show something outrageous mm. as a little headline in order to get people to click on it. Yeah, I think it's 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 the the whole news philosophy seems to have changed. It used to be get it mm. right, get it right, get it first. Now it's get it first, then good luck if you get it right. Mm. You know, don't you know? Facts is. I I I hate to say that facts are rubbery, but it certainly seems that way. Wubbly, <laughs> wubbly. Yeah, yeah. So this is actually our response to Media Watch. Yeah, <laughs> completely liking <laughs> Yeah, the bloke from Media Watch. Yeah. Or as uh, Sean McAuliffe was forced to call his segment on Mad as Hell after a phone call from Paul Barry, Media Sasquatch. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, well. It's yeah, a similar sort of thing. I did see a good picture on Twitter the other day, which had some ridiculous millions of numbers of likes and favourites and retweets. It was just a sign saying, stop making stupid people famous. Stop making stupid people famous. Yes. I think that ties into that directly. I was just, yeah, following on from our last discussion there, I was just going to say, now that I'm on uh, the ESPN sports site, becoming indoctrinated in the ways of NFL and NHL and other American sports. You'll be very proud to hear, Jeech. Yeah, good to, good to know. The, the one thing I have noticed is that it's a key feature of any of these websites is once you scroll to the bottom of the article or the, the website or anything like that, there'll be sort of like 20 hyperlinks to other news items or news stories and that. And at least 15 of them you'll just look at and go, what the fuck is all that about? Mm. Now... I'm proud to say that I'm smart enough not to then subsequently click on them because that's just, you know, that's how you begin the downward spiral into that's social right. commentary. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, it's, yeah that's, a, uh, that's a rabbit hole you're not coming out of. Yeah. But if you compare it to, say, the ABC News website where if you go to an opinion or an analysis piece, you'll just see a lot of uh, previous existing analysis uh, pieces along the side and you'll think, oh, that one's interesting, that one looks interesting. It's the complete opposite for a lot of these other websites. Mm. And I reckon it's just because uh, because no one's buying newspapers anymore, with the possible exception of the West Australian. Advertising dollars are just being thrown at these websites instead. So they just have to come up with whatever they think will get clicks at the bottom of the screen. Yeah. But that doesn't make it important. Yes. That doesn't make it worth clicking on. So here is my PSA for today. The next time you see a really weird, stupid or outrageous looking click uh, link at the bottom of the screen, don't click on it. Just walk away. Just walk away. Put the mouse down. Yeah. 
or navigate away, perhaps. Internet worth. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Kind of tailed off towards the end there, but I feel the sentiment was still good. Keep going. To prove that we are, if nothing else, equal opportunity hitters here at the Bloke Pod, I'd like to give a shout out to a couple of non-Australian cricketers this week. Couple Please of, don't say Rohit Sharma. Of very big events, mate. I have to. I'm oh, sorry. Fuck Look, off. As our esteemed colleague, Mr. Timothy Archer, pointed out, it could have been worse. It could have been Virat Kohli. Oh, and there certainly or, wouldn't have been a shout-out to him if that or, had been the or case. Or MS Dhoni. Yeah, exactly. So, if nothing else, we should be saluting him for, for the fact that, you know, one of the least objectionable Indian players actually achieved this feat. Yeah. But, no, I stand and salute him. Two, as Crick Info reported yesterday, Rohit Sharma 264, Sri Lanka 251. Mm. I don't care how much of an absolute freeway that pitch was, how short the square boundaries were, all the other um, you know things that were in favour of the batsman, to score 264 in a one-day international, I reckon that might never get broken. Well, a few so, Indians have come out. I think your mate Coley's one of them has come out and said that they're very much... Yeah, that point. If you if you think about the um, the progression of the Test batting record over time, in the early thirties, Don Bradman made three hundred and thirty four, and it took some seventy years for that to increase by twenty percent to get to four hundred. Mm. Sharma's effort yesterday well, it got was to, it got to three sixty four pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but what I'm but, saying, I'm I'm yeah. talking about that twenty percent mark. Mm. Sharma's effort yesterday was 45 runs better than the next best score. So he added an extra 20% on top of the existing record. Which was it, his as well, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that is just absolutely staggering. To, not just to break the record, but to go past it by that much. Particularly, particularly having been on 86 off 96 balls. If you had told someone at that stage of the innings, 86 off 96 balls, this guy is going to go 45 runs past the best ODI score of all time, they would have paid for your taxi fare to the nearest asylum. It was an unbelievable innings. I, I don't care how, yeah, how favourable the conditions were for him. To score 264 in a 50-over contest is amazing. And I dips my lid to him. And thank fuck it wasn't Coley. I really can't emphasise that enough. The new Indian captain. Yes, exactly. Who I hope will be uh, walking out to the toss for the first test alongside Shane Watson. Because that could be really entertaining, I reckon. (laughs) That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. And I think a lot of fans across the world wouldn't know who to cheer for in that one. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, speaking of objectionable characters. <laughs> yeah. And the other the other character, far, far less objectionable, I want to salute, is Mr. ABC de Villiers. Yes. AB de Villiers, as he is I, otherwise known. I, I second this. He's probably my favourite cricketer in the world at the moment. Oh, you're not going to go for an Aussie? I'm not going to go for an Aussie. You traitorous swine. But she can understand why. Okay, well, okay, no, then, I can't. Not while then, Ryan then, Harris is still running around. That, yeah, well, okay, let's say Ryan Harris isn't running around. <laughs> well, he's, he's, he's doing what he's been doing for the last eight years. Hobbling 
then lying down yeah. and then running in and taking, you know, 10 wickets in a match regularly. Yeah. But uh, I think... I don't know. Does your favourite football player play for Hawthorne? Well, Brad Sewell. Well, Brad Sewell's retired, so no. <laughs> well, no. Well, next in line would probably be Jack Gunston. Who are you thinking of? No, I was just saying in general is that often, you know, I'd say my favourite player doesn't play for the Eagles. So, jeez. Yeah. Who is that player? Send your votes in now. And we will be sending out some sort of uh, ham-based dish that we found at the back I, of Gigi's freezer as the, I, as the prize for the winner. <laughs> I think I've made it pretty clear in the past who my favourite player is. So, is, if it, you be, is it Pendlebury? Yeah, if you've been paying attention to uh, previous episodes, which it sounds like you might have just managed to do. Yeah, hey, Scott Pendlebury's... Hey. I was, I was in them. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't mean you were paying no, attention. No, exactly, it means I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's my out. Yeah. Well, with the exception of that NBA draft from a, a couple of years ago. But yes, A.B. de Villiers becoming the fastest batsman to 7,000 runs in one-day internationals. And I do have to give a bit of a serve to Crick Info at the same time here. Because yesterday when I loaded up the homepage, it had the match report... You know, a couple of the comments on it, the Billy Bowden play of the day and all these other things. And then it had, in bold, fastest players to 7,000 ODI runs. And I was like, oh, I wonder who got there. Because I hadn't been paying that much attention during the day. So I clicked on it. And at the top of the list, causing me to fall off my chair and evacuate my bowels, was Surav Ganguly, who did it in... Uh, 174 innings, which was nine better than Mr. Brian Charles Lara, who was in second place. And what's worse, Ganguly broke the record on my birthday. So I opened it up, and yeah, for starters, once I, you know, recovered from my coma, shock-induced coma, I was scrolling down, scrolling down, and I was like, oh, Michael Clark's up there. I would have thought he's gone past 7,000 by now. Scrolling down, scrolling down. I'm like, what? I don't get it. Why have they put a link to this here? And then I went back and read the match report, and I read A.B. de Villiers, fastest to 7,000 test run, uh, ODI runs. Well, quick info, if you're going to have a link to the article, Stats Guru article of the fastest players to 7,000 test runs, the day that someone has broken that record, it might be an idea to update that list so that he's actually included within it. Seriously. What a detail. Yeah. Otherwise, what's the point of having the list there? Yeah. So here's how it looked until today. And that's what I actually... I was talking to Timo. That's what I reckon it was. I reckon it was a conspiracy. Just trying to get all the Indians clicking on it and then going, ah, yes, da-da, Ganguly's still number one. Yeah. But, no, Ganguly's number two and I couldn't have said it. Yeah, yes, that, that's well put. <laughs> but there's a few uh, surprising names on the list there. Did you know that Chris Gale reached 7,000 ODI runs in two fewer innings than Ricky Ponting? For instance, there were a couple that of surprises. Wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise the me. There. That mm. wouldn't surprise me. It did for me. To think that he Ponting persevered was... long enough to get to seven thousand <laughs> is one thing. In there wasn't itself, enough. But... There wasn't enough strikes yeah. in between. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. the supply of ganja in the West Indies uh, squad yeah. at that time was very, very solid. Uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, the partying wasn't quite as good as it was at other times. Yeah. Gangnam style, yeah. Gailman style. But, but yeah, as I say, so Ganguly was the previous record holder. It still is, according to Crick Info, but was the previous record holder with 174 innings. Well, De Villiers came through and absolutely smashed that. 166 innings. 
So I blew it out of the water. It's pretty impressive when you consider that he's throughout this time yeah. batted at four or five was, for the most part. I was just too. going to say, yeah, in terms of one day, Ganguly would have been opening with Tendulkar for pretty much that whole period, I would have thought. Mm. Whereas De Villiers is, I think he would have been keeping for a, for a, uh, for a reasonable too, yeah. chunk of it. Um, and, yeah, wouldn't have been coming in at the top of the order where, obviously, it's easiest to make the runs. Although Shane Watson seems to be disproving that theory at the moment. But I think he is... Oh, come I, on. Shane Watson makes the most glorious 30s you'll ever see. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's Watto's bowling that I love. His batting, eh. <laughs> but those reverse swinging 130k per hour deliveries, we sure could have used some of those in the UAE. But anyway, let me just close by saying, I think I've gone on the record before as saying AB de Villiers is quite possibly the greatest sportsman alive right now. If you think about his like his hockey, rugby, golf, cricket, they reckon he would have been good enough to represent South Africa in, in, in like three of those different sports. He's just an incredibly gifted sportsman, yeah, no matter what the code is. Mm. And just just thank you. Rohit Sharma, preventing it from being Kohli. A.B. de Villiers preventing it from being Ganguly. Bravo. Boom. The previous segment of the Bloke Pod was brought to you by the BCCI. Or more to the point, not by the BCCI. Well, I've actually, I've I've got a Jackson rant to report uh, this week, but it came from an unlikely source. My mum. Of all people. So, you know... As soon as you hear the words Jackson Rand, it's just assumed there's a Dan at the front. But no, this this was about the uh, the Daniel Kerr arrest, which, no. if you're going to believe Seven West Media, is one of the defining uh, news items of not only our generation, but of our existence as a human species on this planet. According to Mum, eight minutes of the 30-minute news bulletin on um, Wednesday night, I believe it was, when he when the arrest first got reported, eight minutes of the 30 minutes were devoted to that. And as I was saying to Timbo last night, what we knew at that stage was he's been arrested, he hasn't posted his five grand bail, so he's spending the night in Hakia prison. He was agitated at a property, he was smashing furniture, apparently splashing petrol around, threatening to set the place on fire, and was then arrested. So I managed to do that in about what? 22 seconds, I would say. Yeah, Yeah, 27 seconds. Let's go with that. Uh, Yeah, Channel 7 managed to drag that out into an eight-minute expose. Now, they've got form on this one, too. I mean, let's not forget a few years back that the Prosh, the name of the Prosh that year was actually the Cousins Fixation after the West Australians reporting of that whole saga, which included one front-page article of Ben Cousins running from his girl girlfriend's place to his car in order to dodge the media that was the the real low point for me so what is it seven west media that you think is so utterly fascinating about a former footballer who's now out of the game and therefore most people couldn't give two shits about why on earth does it warrant eight minutes of your 30 minutes and that's including sport and weather too so in terms of just news it was probably like one third of their entire bulletin was devoted to that story. Uh, yeah, it's either a, yeah, and then it was on the front page of the West the yeah, next day too. I want to you you've hit on something that I, I want to talk about. This is a real this is a sore point for me for a number of reasons. This particular thing, 
I am sick and tired of them tying this back to the Eagles and expecting the Eagles to comment on this. He's not a member of the mm. club anymore. Yeah. He hasn't played there for probably 15 or 16 months now. Yeah. Like, why should the Eagles have to comment on this? It, and, you it, know, it, bailing all the players up. So what's your take on the Daniel Kerr situation? If I'm anyone seeing in, any, in any other profession had changed employers more than a year ago... Do you really think we'd be chasing up, yeah. you know, their former employer or their former co-workers asking them for comment and stuff like that? Of course not. It's, mm. it's completely irrelevant to them now. Yeah. He's not a current player. He's no longer, you know, affiliated with the club. Yes, he might be remembered as a former great, but, you know, how is this newsworthy? I don't mm. understand why this warrants well, such, you know, wall-to-wall coverage. The mega wall, almost. And it, well, and the other thing about it that annoys me is, is that they, they feel the need to tie it back to all of the other stuff that happened years ago. Like, leave it in the past. Mm. It, look, yeah, oh, well, okay. Well, Daniel Kerr got arrested. Oh, yeah, well, remember the time when Chad Fletcher flatlined yeah. in Las Vegas? Like, yeah. That was, that was seven it, years apart, is, yeah, so the connection there yeah, is... How is it relevant, apart from the fact that they used to be teammates? But, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, it's, yeah. No, look, this macabre fascination with, with this sort of thing just really gets up my goat, mm. to be honest. And, and then later on that night, when I sat down to watch ABC News... As I said, yeah, on Channel 7 News, I think it was the second item and went for like eight minutes. They, they, and we're now going back to our top story with Daniel Kerr being arrested. And, of course, they've got live reporters on the scene outside Hakia Prison and that. I'm just sitting there going, well, what exactly are they going to tell us from that vantage point yeah. that you guys in the news studio don't already know? Yeah. Like, have they actually seen him, you know, being shivved in a in a gang fight outside in the in the yeah. exercise yard or something from there? Like, why do is it necessary to cut to someone outside Hakia Prison to report on this? Mm. You had twenty seven seconds worth of material to begin with. Now you're going to cross to someone else. Slow news day. I'm going to hazard a guess that they're not really going to be adding anything of much yeah. note. Well, as you can see behind me, this is a prison and Daniel Kerr's believed to be in there. Yeah. And we still don't know what actually happened, but he's in there. And according to Robert, Robert Walls, they're running to the right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, when asked for comment, Robert Walls suggested that Kerry's just misunderstood it. He can't get his hands on it and he needs to run in the right. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. So... So there you go, Daniel Kerr. Perhaps, you know, during your time at Hakia Prison, just take some time to think it over and possibly shift into the rock. <laughs> yeah. All your problems will be solved.